The Tony Gebhardt Show. Music, motivation, and positively obnoxious. The Tony Gebhardt Show indeed. Welcome to my show where I bring in individuals who are inspirational, motivational, just outright really great people that I've, I've had the blessing and privilege to meet over the years. But music, motivation, and positively obnoxious. Today we don't actually have a guest. Not to break your excitement, but today you get to talk to me. I know, isn't that terrifying? <laughs> oh my goodness. But today we've actually got a plan. We actually got a little outline. It's my first, first time writing out show notes for something that uh, I really want to talk about that's really important. But if this is your first time listening to the podcast, thank you for stopping by. My name is Tony Gephardt. I'm assistive technology instructor and uh, youth transition coordinator for the Alaska Center for the Blind. Content creator. I have six albums published and uh, thousands of followers on social media. wonder why sometimes that they follow me. <laughs> but... You know what? I'm grateful. And every day I live with my glass half full, which I think is super, super important. And uh, I got a new interface, everybody. I'm super excited. I got some new gear. Got the Scarlet, uh, the Focusrite Scarlet 2i2. And uh, just been rocking that thing out with this new microphone. And uh, it's been it's been super cool. But today's topic is a little intense. So we're gonna we're gonna try and lighten it up as much as possible. But it's a it's a pressing issue that I think a lot of people deal with that we just we don't talk about as much and uh, i'm gonna come from a very real place and be vulnerable with you and transparent as much as i can um but you know the the aspect of depression right when we hear depression we immediately stigmatize it which i think a lot of the country does and um before I go too ahead of myself i'm gonna bring up show notes i'm gonna get better at this i feel like over time but for right now, I'm just like, I need an outline. <laughs> okay, so um, before I do that, I'll preface by saying, you know, depression is one thing. It's it's a spectrum in a lot of ways. And everyone kind of deals with it in their, own, um, in their own way as they navigate through life, um, whether it be uh, within their lineage or, you know, genetic. You know, a lot of people kind of have a form of it based on trauma even. You know, trauma can cause depression, the loss of a loved one. Um and for some, it's a chemical imbalance. So are you getting enough sunlight? Are you somebody um, you know, who is inactive? Are you getting enough exercise? And a lot of these things, not, we, don't, we don't like to talk about them because it makes us feel insecure or maybe inferior because we don't want to look weak, which you know, in, in, is pretty popular in men. Um, and uh, you know, I think having the space to talk about it is the most important thing because I'm not afraid to tell you that I, I deal with depression. I deal with it every year, specifically during the winter months. I struggle with anxiety too, you know, and, and let's just separate, you know, let's just get this out of the way. Anxiety and depression are two very different things. Depression is heavily focused on the past and is a downward slope. Whereas anxiety is different. Anxiety is futuristic. Like, oh my God, if I take my first foot forward, I'm going to step in dog shit. Or on a micro scale. Or another one could be, oh my gosh, I I'm, I'm, don't want to leave my house because I'm afraid I'm going to be mugged. Or, you know, I don't want to get on that plane. Uh, you know, anxiety can be, in a, in a lot of ways, you know, I take meds. I do. I take Lexapro. 
and I have been for a number of months now, and I like it actually. It's it's helpful. You know, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to go away, right? It doesn't mean it's necessarily going to go away. But you know, let's get into this a little bit. You know, it's a common mental disorder that, in a lot of ways, characterized by persistent sadness and a loss of interest in activities, right? You know, when you find yourself just not wanting to do anything, that could, you know, that's a significant sign of it. And I, I know for a lot of people, you know, specifically blind people, with the added stresses and pressures of society, society and confusion, that it could cause a, a, a rapid form of depression. Um, there was a study being done a few years back. Um, I didn't participate in it, but there was a study being done on blind and low vision people with mental health issues. And I'm actually curious to see what the statistics came out of that. So I'm going to look that up at some point and I'll tell you guys. But today specifically, I want to address seasonal depression. And one of the terms that is used for it that's mentioned in in the uh, um, DSM-5 is seasonal affective disorder. And it's, you know, and it's super funny because its acronym is SAD. <laughs> so it makes, it makes sense. It makes sense. Um, but it usually occurs at, you know, one particular time each year, the fall or winter, a lot of the time. And that's primarily because of the decrement of sunlight, especially popular in the northern states and Alaska. Specifically here, too. You know, in the state of Alaska alone, it is bad. It is super bad. And, um, you know, one, this is a topic that's hard for some. So if you need to skip ahead a minute or two, that I totally understand. But suicide, suicide is twice the national average in Alaska. And that's, you know, just finding resources, which we'll get to here in a little bit, talking about finding a resource that can help you, finding a coping mechanism that'll help you navigate that mental health issue. Therapy, right? Medicine. Maybe it's physical exercise. Finding something to exert all of that energy into so that it can be transformed into something positive. I'm not saying it's easy. I speak from experience. It's not. But therapy and medication are two things that are really, really helpful. Some people are highly against medication, and that's okay. You don't necessarily need it. But if it's something that you've wanted to consider, find a local psychiatrist that you can go talk to. Hopefully you have insurance. And I know that's a big thing, right? A lot of people have sliding scales. Psychologytoday.com is a really good resource that I've used in the past to be able to find and locate psychiatrists, psychologists, therapists, and counselors that are in your zip code that take either your insurance, maybe they have a sliding scale, payment plans, etc., etc. Either way, don't ignore this and go get help. Of course, crisis hotlines are available, and I'll put some of those in show notes, um, as well as the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, which is really important. I'll also put that in the show notes as well. But one form of therapy that's really, really helpful, and I've actually done this. I did this for about 10 months after my suicide attempt in 2019, is that it's called cognitive behavioral therapy. And this is a process that includes talking. It's so basic, right? It sounds complex, but it's all it is is talking. 
I had a great therapist and I was lucky that I did because it's not a, you know, it, and you want to find somebody that you can develop a rapport with, somebody that you trust, someone that you can set firm and um, very clear boundaries with, but who's unbiased. Because that's a big one. You want somebody that's unbiased. So let's dig into it. Cognitive-based therapy is a process in which you take negative patterns and talk them into positive ones. And this is something that does not happen within a week or a month. It can take six months. Maybe it takes a year. It can take time. And generally, most people recommend that you tie medicine in with this. So, of course, seeing a psychiatrist and a therapist. Now, being visually impaired or totally blind, if you're on Social Security, you can rest assured that your Social Security does provide you Medicaid. And Medicaid is a widely accepted insurance that I can guarantee you a lot of larger therapy um, clinics and counselors, they'll be able to take that. And you can get authorized for an upwards of 20 sessions a year. And you can span that out, right? You know, separate each session within a week or maybe every two weeks, whatever frequency makes sense to you. Generally, though, when you first start, you know, when I started in February of 2019, I did it every week because I needed it. I needed it in that kind of frequency. But then I started slowing it down. I did every two weeks. Stand by. I'm grabbing some coffee. It really just depends on, on you and what you want to do. But we have to remember something really important here. You know, when I was dealing with this at a, such a severe degree, I wasn't thinking rationally. So you need to have somebody near you to talk, talk you into some sense. I sure as hell needed that. But one thing for sure that I do know is that the only person that can make these decisions is us. You, me, this person, Tom over there. You know, those are the only people that can make those decisions. So we have, re- it, you know, it, it comes down to fighting. How much are we going to give in to those insecurities or those feelings of inept, of feeling like we need to sabotage everything? Because it's not logical, it's not rational, you know, and we have to remind ourselves on the surface level, like, oh my God, why am I thinking that way? Don't beat yourself up about it, but separate the two. So cognitive-based therapy will help you talk those things out with a therapist. And, you know, we would, we would lay things out on the tables. Just say it as is, and we would ask ourselves, why am I thinking that? And don't be afraid to talk. It's just words. One of the things, in addition to that, is having a support network, right? So what does it mean to have a support network? Sometimes we ask ourselves, like, I don't know who I can trust. Because in those moments, the only person that we're trying to rely on is ourselves. And even in those moments of like complete catastrophe, we don't feel like trusting anybody. So we get scared, right? We become terrified of this idea that who am I going to run to and talk to? Well, finding a support network is one of the most important things that you can do. Finding a support network is really huge. So, you know, in addition to it, you kind of have to do this in a chronological order. 
not you know and there's not a specific order of doing it but you have to take one step at a time in order to truly rebuild because you need to create positive association to all your surroundings or if you need to change your surroundings then you need to change your surroundings there's no way of really explaining it but you have to be blunt and honest with yourself regardless of what it is some people don't agree with the pulling the band-aid off method sometimes you can do it slow but then sometimes you have to rip it off. Sometimes we have to take risks because our lives are at stake in a lot of ways. You know what I'm saying? And finding a good support network is one of the most essential parts of it. So reach out. There is a lot of people who probably love you. I know there's a lot of people who love me. I'm sure there's going to be people out there who hate your guts, but at the end of the day, their opinion doesn't matter. People who hate me or don't like me, I, you know, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't phase me anymore. Because those are the people that make me want to be stronger and better. Some people are not meant to be in your life forever. Some people are meant to be there as roots who can help you. But if you want to go high and you want to go up, some people can't handle that altitude. You know, and that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. They're going to go off and do their own thing. And you're going to go do yours. So finding a support system might be a, a friend. Talk to that friend. Maybe talk to your therapist. And see if there's any local groups that you can go to or find a new hobby. Find something that's going to be positively engaging for you so that you can redirect your mind. Depression doesn't have to be severe. We can maintain. It's not going to be cured, but it can be maintained, managed, and handled. If we don't do anything about it, then that's the rest of our life. But the thing is, a lot of the time, people when, when we do that, people feel challenged. Just like, oh, no, don't tell me what to do. I'm, a, I'm in charge. You are in charge. But when, more, but when multiple people are giving you the same piece of feedback, then there's a need for change. Change isn't a bad thing. I know I needed to hear that. I was that type of person who was aggressive, who fought back. If we don't listen to feedback, we will never change. Especially as men. You hear me, fellas? We will never change unless we listen to feedback. That doesn't make us weak. It doesn't make us, you know, this, this, or that. Again, that comes down to the stigma, right? Because there's a stigma on mental health. There's a stigma on going to therapy. There's a stigma on this. There's so much taboo. Why? It's just a part of being human. Right? I know I'm not crazy. It's a part of being human. So what do we do? You know? What do we do? I think there's a lot to say. And, you know, I'll tailor this to the blindness and low vision community. Let's talk about that. There's a lot of problems. There's a lot of good, too. 
But one of the things that I see as a common occurrence is we become complacent in this idea that we need to receive Social Security for the rest of our lives and live under complete control of other people because we're convinced that our inability to do things is the sole reason why we're doing what we're doing. And I don't believe in that. I think that's all nonsense. I collected Social Security for six years. Seven, actually, excuse me, seven years. And I was okay with that at the time. It got me through, it did what I needed to do, but there was a lot of people around me who I was trying to live my life with who were eons above where I was, and I didn't fit the mold because I wasn't in the the position to live that kind of life. You can only do so much living off $800 a month. That doesn't make you less fortunate of a human being. It doesn't make you any less of a person, a man or woman, than everybody else. But what it does do is it limits you. And then here comes a conversation, right? Here's a topic. I'm not afraid to. I, I know I might get flack for this, but I'm open for I'm open for a conversation. A comfort zone. A comfort zone is a good thing, but if we stay in it too long, will we ever change? Will we ever change? And I did a podcast with the Blind Abilities guys, uh, when I say it was last year, and a theme that we we discussed, and a big shout out to them, um, blindabilities.com, just amazing guys. Jeff and Peter are great. Um, good friends. One of the things that we talked about is the only constant in life is change. So whether we like it or not, things are going to change. But if we... If we try to push back against that natural form of life, then of course we're going to be upset and angry and bitter and jaded and all this because we can't accept the fact that life's going to move on without us. And that's the truth. This turned into a rant. <laughs> I didn't intend it. But it's the truth. I'm not going to take any of this back. I have no regrets. I live life... Because it's a fulfilling thing. Three jobs, getting married, one day have kids. I'm not bragging, but I do say that I need fulfillment in my life. We all do, to a certain extent. However that may be for you, you need to find your purpose. Maybe you know what it is already. But that's a part of helping with depression. And mental health. I knew I was going to go on a tangent today. So let's backtrack for a second and talk about a little bit more about seasonal affective disorder, right? So I deal with it. I was diagnosed about six years ago with this. And a lack of sunlight and that vitamin D that is super important to create serotonin and dopamine in the, in the blood and in the brain, that's what a lot of ways drives that happy emotion and that feeling of energy and yeah, and just, and just going all over the place. That's what helps create that. Right? And when you take away sunlight, so right now here in Alaska, we only have five hours of daylight. Maybe six. That's about it. Different parts of Alaska aren't so lucky. But here in Anchorage, we have only about six hours of daylight. So with that in mind, there's another 18 hours of total darkness. So as you can imagine, a lot of people are, are fighting with this and working the way through it and trying to figure out what works. My phone is going nuts. 
All right, I was getting distracted. And let's talk about some coping mechanisms, right? So you have vitamin D capsules. If you're somebody who deals with depression or a chemical imbalance of serotonin and dopamine, take vitamin D. Don't ignore it. Don't be stubborn. Take vitamin D. Take your vitamins in general. They're important. I do every day. And I don't regret it because I feel so much better. Now, it's not just taking meds. You know, medications and vitamins, they're amazing, but they're only the catalysts. What you need to do and what we need to do more so is be active. Physical activity, whether it means be exercise. Maybe you do 20 push-ups in the morning, 20 push-ups at night. If you don't like push-ups, figure something else out. Don't make an excuse. Excuses are the one thing that tears most people apart because they're not willing to admit that they have a problem. Change. Again, this comes back to a common problem. Nobody wants to change. Now, in addition to that, right? Maybe taking a walk. Maybe get on the get on the treadmill. If you don't want to get on the treadmill, walk up and down some stairs. If you don't want to get on the, you know, just do something. Find something to do. Get your blood moving. Stop staying still. We have to be persistent. Now, do we need rest days? Absolutely. Times to hang out and chill and just take a step back, have a glass of wine and some cheese. 100%. Also important. The mind needs to learn how to slow down and then speed back up. So there's a balance between the two. But if you're not doing all of it, you're going to find an imbalance. And this is, of course, in tandem with therapy and meds and everything else. So there's no magic answer. Medication is not magical. But what it is is it helps redirect the chemicals in your brain, right? Basic layman's terminology. It just it helps bring things down to the basic and it does it for you. So we've talked about a lot already. So let's sum it all up. Essentially, you know, depression is is something that a lot of us deal with. And I don't have my notes in front of me because the computer essentially crashed. So luckily, I'm, I'm at least able to recall this. <laughs> but a lot of people deal with it. And we just have to find a way to communicate this, find coping mechanisms, maybe find a therapist, maybe find some meds. In addition to that, we just have to be proactive and do something so that we're not struggling in the process now no matter what we're human beings so we have to give ourselves the benefit of the doubt i I think that's also very important is giving ourselves the benefit of the doubt and with that being said you know it'll all it'll all make sense it'll all make sense GreatNonprofits.org is a 501c3 nonprofit. Great Nonprofits helps people focus on making good giving decisions based on socially sourced feedback and reviews. Go to www.greatnonprofits.org and type in your zip code or city to find a charity or nonprofit near you that you can help.